Happy Wednesday. It's Emily Schramm. I am your host of Meathead Hippie Podcast. I am a entrepreneur, personal trainer, meathead, hippie, and nutritional therapy practitioner. I said that in the reverse way. Basically, I love helping you guys empower yourself. So I fully aim if in anything I do, in any avenue for you guys to say, oh, shit, I got this. Today's podcast is all about that. And I think it's just so perfect because I feel like we have been really getting deep and we get deep in all the ways. But when I'm looking at like podcasts and Facebook group and all the types of places that we're just digging into important shit, like how I think about myself and how the society around me thinks about me and all the things that we want to to radically change and then we like are so motivated and we're so ready and then we get ready to change it and it feels like I have no idea what to do. I have no idea how to actually implement this. I feel overwhelmed because I have so much that I want to change and so much I want to do and so much, you know, motivation, but the actual kind of like the literal sense of growth and change and blah, 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 blah. It feels like we're moving through mud. It feels like we aren't doing anything. It's like agonizingly slow. So today I really wanted to bring on somebody that can help us not only make us feel less crazy about it being agonizingly slow, like she said, because it is, but also really understand that there's so many ways that we can just see little progresses and little progresses, little little bumps from the universe that we're doing a good job, that we're doing the work that we're supposed to be doing. And so this is really a podcast that says, I know this shit is deep. I know this shit is hard. I am in it with you a thousand percent. I feel like no matter what, these patterns that I have, these triggers that I have, sometimes it's like life that I'm living, you know, you so desperately want to shed the old and it feels like, oh my God, I don't know how to do it or I'm doing it. And then the next day, oh my God, I'm the same person. And I saw this post from Jackie Carr, who I love as a great follow on Instagram saying, it's like we have all these exes, right? We have the the needy one or the bitchy one or the complaining one. Like we have all these types of people that we've been in the past and we work and we change it and we break up with that person, but it doesn't mean that they're never going to go away permanently. Like they're going to show up in some ways. And so it, it's understanding like that is okay. There's ways to move through it. It's never going to go away, but we can move through it quickly. We're going to talk about boundaries really understanding how to trust yourself and feel in control of the things happening around us. Um, You know, just focusing on different things other than the outcome, allow mindfulness to be more realistic, breath work, uh, not judging ourselves so much, (laughs) Um, and really understanding how to like not overcommit to things and how to not simply feel bad about ourselves when we maybe did overcommit. So very practical, tangible takeaways today. And I just think you're going to love it. So this is Jesse. Jesse, I'm just so glad we connected through somebody I work with, Katie. Jesse Dergantz, she works one-on-one with people. She is a therapist and a licensed social worker and just, just crushes all the things that I just said. That's what she talks about. So you guys are going to love it. All her links are below Um, specifically her Facebook group that you can kind of plug into and get some motivation. I think this one is really going to resonate. So this is basically saying, I know this shit is hard. You got this. 
let's find some ways that we can implement it in our life and not feel like it is impossible and not throwing in the towel because F it, right? When we don't see that work that we want to be done, it's not happening. Well, that's not true. And I really hope you guys get that from today's podcast. Awesome. Every Wednesday, new podcasts are released. Thank you guys for being here, whether it's your first time, your fifth time, or what episode is this? 90-something? 90-something time. We're approaching the 100th, which I should plan and do something for. (laughs) I just thought of that. Okay. We'll come to that later. Enjoy the podcast. (laughs) I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jesse. Thank you for coming on the show. Jesse Durgens is a licensed clinical social worker and therapist. And basically, Jesse, I'm going to get, we're going to just dig into some therapy today. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. You're so welcome. I, you know, I found you through Katie, who I work with. Katie's amazing. And we were going back and forth. We, you know, whether it's Instagram DMs and all these quotes and inspiration that we send back and forth to each other. And a big one that we always, I think both of us struggle with, and I think so many of us struggle with is the topic of boundaries and how we know, and we've talked about it. I've even talked about it on the podcast before, but also, implementing them and understanding what that means. And so Katie said, you have to have Jesse on. And so this is, here we are. And I think we should just jump right into <laughs> those, this topic of boundaries. You know, it comes up in my life a lot because I either feel like an asshole or I feel like I've been taken advantage of, or I feel very con- convicted and strong. And yes, this is how it is. And then maybe the next day I'm like, oh, was I too intense? Like, was that the good, a good thing to do? And I'm always navigating this world of boundaries uh, as things change for me. And I just would love to jump into that topic if you're good with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Boundary setting is, you know, in my role as a therapist, um, in like an outpatient clinic, it comes up so often. And, you know, one of the things that I usually say is when you feel yourself start to have the emotions of feeling angry or resentful, and a lot of times it's towards the people who you care a lot about. And so when you find yourself having those emotions, you have to ask yourself, is this maybe a space where I should take a little time and think about how to set a boundary that kind of meets your needs and respects the other person? And when you do that, it can really just overall improve the relationship. What you said about anger and resent, resent, right? Like we're not just curmudgeons. Mm We're just, we just maybe got pushed a little bit too far or we didn't listen to our cues sooner than we, like as soon as we should have. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Or I know for me, if I find myself kind of complaining about something, something that I should want to do, but all of a sudden I'm kind of complaining about it, I have to ask myself, okay, maybe I need to step back and set a bit more of a boundary and just sort of respect like my own time or ability to navigate all these commitments, right? We're really good at over committing ourselves. That's so true. I do that all the time. Um, I, and I think it's because we're, you know, what I've noticed a lot with my, my people, it's, we're really excited to do so much, right? We're kind of stepping into ourselves and finding out what we want to do. And we want to we have like this fear of missing out. (laughs) We don't want to say no to anything. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves in this place where we're just like overwhelmed with possibility and we kind of freeze. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said. Initially, you feel kind of excited about it. 
And then you take on all this stuff and then you look at it and you go, okay, this is too much. And so one of the things I also kind of try to remind people is that it's okay to change your mind. So if initially you felt like you could tackle something and take it on, it's okay to change your mind and sort of the people who, you know, are in your life and you care and respect them, they should care and respect you. And a lot of times people will be okay with you saying, you know what, I took that on, but I'm actually not going to be able to do that. Can we push it back or can we reevaluate sort of how we can both get those needs met? And that's something that is hard for people to do. I love that too. One of the things that I have learned is like, what exactly would this entail from, like, what do you guys expect from me? What do you want from me? Knowing in writing everything that that event or that situation or that project might entail, like list it out. So it's very clear what it is, because if it's not clear, then it could be massive or you can see it in writing and you're like, actually, okay, I could do this and this, but I don't feel comfortable doing that. That's, that's what Katie actually has helped me the most with is really like putting into writing in any degree, exactly what is happening with whatever it is that I'm looking to do. Yeah. She's really good at that. Sort of like listing the expectations up front mm-hmm. so that you can be very clear if this is something that you can do or not do. Mm-hmm. And people don't put words to it. Cause like when they're defining something, whether it's a meetup, it could be even coffee, right? It's like, it could be so casual or it could be something that's a little bit bigger and a, um, a longer commitment. I think mm-hmm. it really isn't that person's fault that's organizing. It's just cause they're so excited. They have no idea that they're pulling on you in those ways. And so just asking them, I love that saying one, it's, it is totally okay to change your mind, but two, I just say like, what is it that you expect from me? And what is it that you really want to get out of this so that I know if this is something I can give? Yeah. And it challenges the person to also, you know, sort of look at their own situation and say, what is it that I want to get out of that? You know, it just opens the communication and makes things healthier in that exchange overall. That's perfect. And then when you look at priorities, if somebody is really excited to do a lot of things, how do you help someone navigate like what they really should be doing or want to do instead of, you know, there's like these long lists and I want to do all of it. How does someone figure out whether it's lining up with their values or making sure that what they're doing is the thing that they want to be doing? I, this keeps coming up for me because it's, it's this weird line of I should be doing it and it's like one of those things I have to do versus it's something that truly is what I what my passion is. And I think when you follow your passion, it always turns into the right thing. And so I'm just curious, how do you find that spot where you can tell someone, Hey, let's sit down and this is how you can figure out what is truly what you want to do versus maybe not such a high priority for you at this time. Yeah. And one of the things I also find that people struggle with and I struggle with myself is sort of misestimating how much time a task is going to take. And so when we do that, and so a lot of times we do that on the end where we think something will not take as much time as it actually does. And then it kind of puts everything, you know, you feel that stress, you feel, you know, that overwhelm kind of come over you. And so I help people a lot of times on the front end kind of say like, well, how long do you think that that might take? And then sometimes initially when I'm starting this process, I'll say double it. And that kind of helps say like, okay, so if I have these five things on my list for this week, you know, maybe they're projects oriented or something along those lines. Um, And 
if if you think you can tackle all of that and then you start to really get into the weeds and say like well this actually might take this amount of time maybe it gets to the end and you say you know what i'm gonna have to shave two of these off and put them on to next week and it gives you the space to really focus on the items that you want to do and a lot of times those are driven by your values or some external timeline right if you have something that has to be done then that moves it up on your priority list or maybe it's just something that you really want to do and you want to make the space for it. I I think this is so good because I'm so guilty of underestimating the time it'll take to do anything. I'm like, oh yeah, we could totally fit this in. And then all of a sudden <laughs> I look at my calendar, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, 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 shit. Why did I, why is this so busy? And then I look, I'm like, well, it's my fault because I didn't, I'm not, I don't have like a true, when I'm really excited about something and I think it's this, the Enneagram seven in me, it's like, I will make it happen because it feels so good. And then it comes down to it and I'm like, oh my God, I need to be way more realistic about timelines. <laughs> yeah. You're not alone in that. So many people, I struggle with it myself. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get all these projects done. And then you look at it and you're like, okay, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And then I think this is where it gets into like, we feel bad about ourselves. We, sh- we overcommit ourselves because we're just excited and that it's coming from like a really pure intention. And then mm-hmm. when it doesn't all fit in, we feel like a failure. Absolutely. And I think, you know, kind of what you were saying where you want to do these things, you care about it, you care about maybe the people that you're going to do these things with. And then, you know, it kind of like that feeling selfish or guilty or embarrassed kind of comes up when you have to maybe tell them that you're not going to be able to do that this week or, you know, you feel bad about it. And with and that makes it hard. And do you find that, I mean, do you think with empaths, I don't know, I had a fun quote that came up on my Instagram of like, when did we all not become empaths? Do you have a thought on that? Is there just, how are some people so sensitive and some people can let things bounce off of them so quickly? I think a lot of it has to do with personality, right? But when you have that, when you're high on that, like compassion meter and you, you do feel things very intensely. I think it makes setting boundaries extra challenging because you're more likely to kind of sacrifice your own needs for the needs of someone else. And you're not doing it intentionally and you, you're drawn to that. But all of a sudden when you're being asked to kind of put yourself in, in the, the priority list, it's hard to do. It's really hard to do. And it's, uh, I think this is the sentiment I get the most with the clients when I do the mindset work or whatever it is with the let's not overthink it. So the don't overthink it programs and just trying to get people to understand their value. I had them all raise your hand if you're an empath and they all raise their hand. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the things, the people that tend to whether it's overthink the the things and never feel like it's enough or find ways to shuttle things around and all of a sudden there's no time for the gym or there's no time to meal prep. It's always, it kind of goes back to like, well, it's because the the priority meter of self, they were at the bottom. Absolutely. And if you find, if you dig into what they're prioritizing over themselves, it probably has a lot to do with you know, maybe it's their family, maybe it's their job, maybe it's a lot of times has to do with someone else. Mm. And to set that boundary, it doesn't mean that you're not, you know, being a good mom or being a good friend or being a good partner. 
It just sort of means I can be a better mom, friend, or partner if I'm taking care of myself as well. Would you share some examples of like boundaries, like sentences people could say? Because I do think as much as we know that boundaries are important and that we need to create them and people are like, oh shit, that's totally me. Uh, I think actually implementing them is just so, like we said, it's just so tough. What is like the first step for somebody that's maybe brand new to the space of saying, oh, I should be doing this. What could that look like? And quite maybe in like the very literal sense. Well, I would suggest, first of all, like starting off really small. And then the other, you know, kind of just quick tidbit of feedback would be stop apologizing, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, because when you when you set a boundary, but you kind of follow it with an apology of like, I'm not actually going to be able to meet up for coffee, I'm really sorry. And you start with this big sort of sentence about why you can't. It's, it's confusing for people. It's a confusing message. It's like, okay, so you want to do this, but you can't do this. And I'm confused why I'm not becoming a priority for you. Um, but if you just say, if you stop the apology and you just sort of say, I'm, re- I'm not going to be able to do that and let's set up another time, then it's a clearer message, right? Like, for example, if you think about it, um, I kind of like, sometimes I like like the parent and child sort of examples. So if I say to my son, I'm really, really sorry, but I need you to clean your room. And I'm sorry that it's going to take time for you to do that, but I'm really hoping that you can, you know, fit it in. The message that he's getting is mom really doesn't care if I clean my room or not. And maybe it's not really a priority for her. No parent would say that, right? Mm -hmm. They would just say, you need to clean your room before you're able to, you know, go hang out with your friends. And that's a really clear message. It's a very clear boundary of this is important to me. It's important to us. And this is something that I'm expecting you to do. It makes it very clear. And so I would extend that to many things, right? And to just sort of drop the apology when you're listing your boundary that you're telling someone. We are so guilty of that. It's like, ah, I'm sorry, but I don't think this is a good fit. Oh, sorry. Ah, sorry. Ah, sorry. We do that all the time. Yes. And where does that come from? It's like that guilt and that, you know, fear of rejection a lot of times, right? Especially when you are like an empath and you you can put other people first, which is also like, it's a skill and a gift, right? And it's, but it also has some challenges that it brings along with it because you feel extra bad if you think that you're, you know, hurting someone's feelings. And, and then you just bring that into the whole day, you know, it's almost like, ah, like it just kind of weighs on you. And then after time, after time, after time, people wonder why they have such heavy burdens on their shoulders, you know? Yeah. There's a, there's a researcher, her name is Brene Brown. You may have heard about her before. Um, She's a researcher. Yeah, yeah. So she's got the TED Talks. And one of the quotes that she has really resonates with me. And I always kind of come back to it when talking about boundaries. But she says, daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love ourselves, even when we risk disappointing others. And I think that's a really important statement. And if you think about it, it is sending the message that you're having the courage to love yourself even at the risk of maybe not being able to be or do something that someone else wanted. But if you're setting those boundaries with people who you care about in your life, you should be trusting that those relationships are strong enough to handle you setting these boundaries. 
I think, Jesse, this is why I have such a small circle in so many ways. I think, you know, I always feel at fault sometimes because I am very like, and I don't know if it's gotten worse. I don't know if worse is the right term, if it's for better or for worse. Uh, As I get older, it's very clear the people that I can have in my circle that I trust to not get hurt by the things that sometimes is like, hey, sorry, things, things pivoted. I got to change. I got to move. I got to do this. I mean, that happens all the time in my life just because of my workload and the things that I do. And God, I mean, I used to take those people on where I just wanted to take care of them and want to help them. And then I realized like when I would feel that resistance and they would make me feel bad, a lot of it was my fault because I wasn't clear on what I could and could not do like we talked about, but it was very clear. Okay. This person, if they don't understand that, I don't think that they're going to be the person that I can be friends with and it, or whatever it is in your circle. So I do have, what are your thoughts on smaller circles and bigger circles and being, you know, as that changes, cause that's the hardest part, right? When somebody that you love and is used, you're used to having in your life doesn't respond well to those pivots and to being courageous about making boundaries, that's a big shift of saying, oh my gosh, I accepted this for as long as I've known you and now things are changing. I think that's just terrifying for a lot of us. It's very hard. And I think, you know, it'll, it ebbs and flows over our life. And sometimes we have bigger circles and it kind of makes it work. And sometimes we have smaller circles. And I think it has a lot to do with sort of like our external obligations at the time, right? I know you have like all these businesses that you're running and I've listened to your podcast and I know that there's like some book writing going on, all this kind of stuff. Right. So all of a sudden you don't have time to devote to a big circle Mm -hmm. and you'll feel it when you set those boundaries and limits with people and they push back. That's where it, those uncomfortable feelings come up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I like to think of it is that I'm not, it's not that you're cutting that person out forever, but sometimes I'll say to myself or to, you know, some of the people that I'm working with, just have to cut them out right now. And right now, maybe that you don't have the space in your life for that specific relationship, but a different time, different chapter could come up and you may be able to feel fulfilled in that relationship. And I love that too, because it just gives space for you in whatever phase you're in. And so it's just allowing you to like, for me, if I ever get offended by somebody setting that boundary, it's like, well, just respect the phase that they're in right now. It's not a forever thing. It's not permanent. It's just saying what, what you said about the Brene Brown code saying that right now there's not time and space for what I'm looking for. And that is totally okay. Yeah, absolutely. And you know how it says, even at the risk of disappointing others. And I think we have to sometimes build a bit of a tolerance to handle people's sort of negative reaction. And it's okay for them to have a negative reaction and we don't have to sort of internalize it as they don't like me anymore, right? They don't like the situation, but our friendship or our relationship can probably persist through this if it's strong and healthy. And I think what I would love to dig in with you is like, you know, kind of pivoting from boundaries to in general, there's so we, you know, we have podcasts that dig deep. We have, you know, we're surrounded by people talking about growth and change and moon cycles and, you know, the, the desire to be better as an individual. We now know 
how much effort that takes. And I am curious, the thoughts of when you're looking at all the things you have to change and you have this awareness and mindfulness around it, but the patterns, breaking those patterns and breaking those habits, I mean, it just takes, sometimes it feels like a lifetime because it's all we know. And so I would love to know how you navigate this world of self-improvement, right? And self-discovery, but without feeling guilty about the change that does take so much time to occur. Absolutely. You know, I think a lot of times you can work with a therapist or um, like a life coach or just somebody that is helping you navigate that process and remembering like when you're making a change, a positive change or any kind of change, it affects people around you. And, you know, it takes everybody a little while to adjust to changes that you're making. And so sometimes having that support of somebody that you can keep checking in with and being accountable to will help you stay true to the goals that you have instead of sort of pivoting and going back to maybe an unhealthier pattern that you had that likely prioritized somebody else's needs instead of your own. And, you know, I think in general, as like a society and culture, we don't teach that, right? We don't teach that to kids as much as we should. And so all of a sudden, when you're an adult and you're in the world, it's hard to make those changes. And so supporting, putting yourself in a supportive environment can be really helpful to help you meet those challenges. And just reinforcing um, what your goals are and what your steps are to take them and recognizing that you can step back while still moving forward. I, um, one of my favorite books is The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And I, you work a lot with trauma and, and I think this is where, you know, we kind of take like one step deeper of a lot of the triggers that we have are so deep rooted in us. And whether it's, I don't know how you feel about this, but whether it's past lives or whether it's something that happened as a child, I am, it is so hard to get rid of some of those things because it's, you know, we, when we look at our sensitivity, when we look at why things bother us and we don't let things bounce off of us, you know, we could work on kind of growing and expanding and not even having those things in our peripheral vision. But when you look at like, wow, like, why did that just piss me off so much? Like digging into those deep answers of why, what is the work with that when it comes to figuring out how to slowly chip away at these triggers and slowly figure out how, how we can move past some things that feel like such second nature. Sure. Well, a lot of times, you know, when you've gone through trauma or someone has gone through trauma, one of the sort of protective mechanisms that we use, one of the coping skills is avoidance. And so it's not an adaptive coping skill, but it helps in the moment right so something uncomfortable comes up and the tendency is to want to push it down right away and avoid right and you know it works right really (laughs) short term it works and so that's why you know sometimes I'll work with people and they're like no I just want to get better at avoiding and I'm like okay well we can do that but that's not going to help long term right Mm -hmm. so it's when you dig into your story and what you've been through and you allow yourself like in a safe space to sort of process all of that narrative of what you went through 
you're not avoiding it, you're sitting with it. And that helps you keep things under wraps. So when you get triggered, it, you learn the skills to move through it quicker. And also, you're no longer trying to get really good at avoiding, you're allowing yourself to deal with things as they come up. And that can be really powerful because when you're not dealing with trauma that you've been through and you're not tackling it sort of head on, you have no control over when you're triggered or when things come up. And it feels like they, you know, come out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden you're flooded with all this emotion and you're trying to navigate it. So of course, in that moment, you're like, I just need to push this down as quickly as I can and squash this out. And so some of the longer term work is intentionally bringing it up and sitting with it and allowing yourself to move through it. And that really, really helps to be able to, you know, focus on the things that you want to be doing instead of always dealing with this, these trauma triggers that are coming up and you're having to try to deal with them. And I love that too, because it's saying, you know, we're looking at whether it's a therapist or whether it's some sort of session of like, this is intentional, let's bring it up in the safe space, but there is no getting over triggers, right? It's just, at least initially, and maybe that's just the long work that's being done. It's you move through it faster. You don't mm-hmm. have it dwell. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And I think that's this misconception of like, th- this will never, this will go away at some point, or this will be something that I don't have to deal with at some point and I'll be better and grow, but it's just changing and reframing. And it's like, well, it's going to still come up. So have grace to yourself that that's going to come up, but it will, when the work is being done, it moves faster. Yeah. And you'll have the confidence and you can trust that you know how to deal with it when it comes up. So, you know, it's not that it's never going to come up again, but that you feel more confident that if this comes up, I have this set of skills that I know is going to help me move through it quicker. And so if it happens less frequently and it's less intense when it is triggered, it makes people feel more in control or more um, equipped to kind of deal with it. God, that's perfect. It's the same thing with the body awareness project, like trusting yourself and saying, okay, say I have a breakout breakout, and I have my skin flared up. If I don't know where that came from, it makes me feel out of control and out of my body. And I'm going to keep looking at it and I'm going to obsess about it until I figure out why, oh my gosh, why is this on my face? You know, versus saying, oh, that makes sense. I had dairy or I'm, something's going off with my hormones or it's just like naming it in a way. It, it's a skill set. It's saying, absolutely. Oh, I love that. It applies to that so strongly with skills when you're trying to move through things. And like, is there anything that comes, you know, with outside of the therapy that, you know, I think everyone should be, should be doing. Do you think with skills, is there anything like very tangible for people of ways to move through things? Like say, for example, like this thing happened and I can't stop thinking about it. I can't let it go. My mind is racing about it and I feel like it's consuming me all day. Um, is there any, like, maybe this goes back to that mindfulness that you teach. What are some skill sets of saying, like, let's, let's kind of take a breath and work through this? Yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, I know mindfulness right now is very sort of like a popular thing and it's getting a lot of attention. And I think that there's, you know, pros and cons to that. But I think at the heart of it, it's really giving people the skills to navigate their emotions in real time. And so um, I work at the at the VA, I work at a VA hospital as well. 
And um, so I work a lot with trauma. And one of the things is that we do a lot of treatment for trauma that's very, you know, evidence-based and helping them move through some of these symptoms. But as I started to get involved with more of like an integrative health and, and wellness programming there, we started really incorporating mindfulness. And it was amazing to sort of see all these veterans sort of learn the skills of even as simple as focusing on their breath, right? Taking a time out and spending a couple of minutes and just focusing on their breath, like a tangible skill, right? So if they're out at like a grocery store and maybe, you know, the crowd is too big and it's starting to really bring up all of these kind of uncomfortable feelings, trauma response, they have a tangible skill to use in that moment. So I love breath work because if you're alive, you're breathing, right? So you always have your breath with you. And it's something you can return to time and time again. And I, I teach this to everybody that I work with, from kids all the way up to, you know, adults and, you know, older populations. And just sort of like taking that space and focusing on your breath, even for a few moments, and just slowing your breath. That really helps people deal with anything uncomfortable that they're having right in that moment. I love that. It made me want to breathe really deeply. <laughs> um, do you have a, yes. like, is there a pattern that you teach or is it just saying acknowledge the inhale and acknowledge the exhale? Are there words? Is it two seconds in, four seconds out? Is there anything that has worked well or just a good starting place for somebody that's new to this? Yeah, I think there's so many different types of meditations that you can do and more advanced breath work, but I always start out with the easiest thing ever. And I say, all you want to do is match your in-breath to your out-breath. And so I say, if, if, if right now it can only be two breaths, two seconds in and two seconds out, that's fine. And then as your body starts to kind of kick out of that stress response and, you know, you're able to slow down, maybe you can stretch it to four, maybe you can stretch it to five, but I just kind of always remind people that to start by, you know, counting in, maybe you're counting in one, two and out one, two, and then you keep doing it and maybe you stretch it to three and four. And I, I find even kids really love this because they'll say, you know, I was in class and I was, you know, really worried that so-and-so would, you know, was mad at me. And so I just sat there and I started to count my breaths. And then they kind of love the challenge and they'll come back and they'll be like, I got to eight or nine. I'm like, good job. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> when, you, when you're looking like the VA hospital, do you, this is a, just a random tangent, but have you noticed a lot of TBI and head trauma being a big piece of the work? Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of TBI is, is very common, obviously, from some of the traumas that they've been exposed to. And the mindfulness really, really can help with that as well. I love that. I wrote a, I'm just kind of scribbling a bunch of notes as we talk. And one of the things that I wrote was procrastination. And I, you know, with when it comes to avoidance, I feel like that's such an easy telltale if we're an avoider or not. Like, are we a procrastinator or do we like to just like take things on head on? So my, my partner, Bradford, is like, the, he's just so good at things. Like as soon as something comes up, he takes care of it, even though the deadline is like two weeks away. And on the other hand, I am the person that's like, the deadline's two weeks away. Oh, great. And then one week away. Oh, great. Cool. Got it. And then literally an hour before the deadline, I'm like, oh, I got to do this thing. 
yes. Okay. And I get, I like almost like, I love procrastination. I don't know what it is. And I think it's just because I am the ultimate avoider. Yes. And so, but, <laughs> so, but some people can't organize until that timeline gets a little bit more of a crunch. So it could definitely be fueled by avoidance, but it also might just be more of your style, right? That's true. It's so, but if it's coming from a place of avoidance, <laughs> then maybe you want to tackle it. <laughs> totally. Um, I love that. Um, when you're looking at people that uh, really feel stuck, I kind of want to, I just, I saw this on my Facebook page. It's like, I just feel like I'm doing so much effort and so much work and putting in so much time, you know, in, in being aware and being mindful, but it feels like it's not moving. Like it almost feels like you're walking through mud and it's the hardest work to be done when you're looking internally. Like it's so easy to look external and point fingers and blame and, you know, kind of live life that way. But when you say, I'm going to take this responsibility and say, let's work on self, let's work on improvements that can, it's not only hard, it feels agonizingly slow. Well, part of it is agonizingly slow, <laughs> so it makes sense that it feels that way. But, you know, sometimes we have to let go of, of being outcome focused. And so if we're too outcome focused, then even if you're trying to do something like focusing on your breath, if you're, fo if you're just ruminating on what it's going to feel like once you are focusing on your breath, then you're probably not focusing on your breath. That's so true. It's saying I, I want the result without the, well, it's like everything. We want the end game when, the, when we realize more and more, there is no end game. There, there's always more to be had. Right. Absolutely. So it's just slowing it down and being like present centered and trying to do it in a non-judgmental way. Right. Which is very difficult because hmm. we're always assessing, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? Is this how it's supposed to be? Is it not so how it's supposed to be? And it's hard to sort of continue to let some of that go, even when you're practicing something as mindfulness. The judgy word, that just triggered so much for me because I think that's ultimately so much of the work that needs to be done with, you know, when we're, I don't know, I, all of, we just judge ourselves so harshly and we in turn when we look at like how short we are with the people in our life or I don't you know all these things that we're doing externally it's just a reflection of how we feel about ourselves so when we look at judgment on self how does someone tackle like being nicer to ourselves like really stopping the judgment that we have day in and day out. And I know a lot of this is how we are raised some of it's our personality whether we're like type A perfectionists but I just don't know anybody that isn't hard on themselves and isn't so judgmental on themselves. And I think that's something all of us can work on. And I'm mainly saying this for me because I am the worst at, <laughs> at this. What are some right. ways that we cannot be so damn hard on ourselves? Well, I think the opposite of being, of placing judgment on ourselves would be like extending self-compassion right? Mm -hmm. So if you sort of recognize that you're doing it, you're, if you see, okay, I'm sort of being really hard on myself, I'm judging myself, I'm focusing on only the negative things, and you sort of stop and you say, okay, I'm going to switch this into self-compassion, and how can I extend some compassion to myself? And that makes people very uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. If I asked you to tell me a couple of things about your best friend that are you know, three great qualities, you could probably rattle them off and no problem. 
But when I ask somebody to turn that inward and say, you know, tell me three things that are great about you. Tell me three things that you love about yourself. It's harder. And everybody kind of panics and they go, oh, that's uncomfortable. And that's that self-compassion that if you can work on that, it naturally starts to break down some of that self-judgment. Yeah, that used to be um, day 20. So I have a 21-day challenge and day 20, it was like, okay, we're finishing this up. I need to like focus on how do we make this sustainable? And a big thing is like, and even me, I'm running the video. I know my listeners probably have seen this. It's like, we have to say three things we love about ourselves. And if you cannot say them, like usually people are like, I'm a great mom or I have great hair or my nails are pretty. It's like, no, take those don't count. Like what is like truly dig deep of like who you Dig are. deeper, yes. Yeah, like get get more, you know, it's don't be superficial and don't pivot. Like we all love your kids and we all love that you're a good mom, but like that still is redirecting. And when people take compliments, you can see it all the time. Like receiving the compliment, how hard that is for people. It's it's so tough. And I'm I'm guilty of this too. And I really had this moment with one of my good friends and then these tarot cards that I have there, it's like, you cannot truly give unless there is a receive, right? The inhale and the exhale, the infinity symbol, like there is no true giving and outpouring and everything that I love to do unless I also can take that back in. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you do that with your 21 day challenge because it really, it probably really shocks people too when you ask them to do that because it's very uncomfortable for many of us Mm -hmm. to focus on anything that we're kind of proud of ourselves about or we think is a great characteristic of ourselves. It's just uncomfortable for people to start to say that and say it proudly. And, And say it without reservation of like, I feel, I've talked about this with one of my podcast guests, Nagar. It's like, it's this a belief that if I say this about myself, then society will see me as too confident and cocky and egotistical. And mm-hmm. it's, that's so hard to break with people because people will think that. And, but those people aren't, aren't relevant. They aren't supposed to be in your field. <laughs> if they think Absolutely. that it's their, own, it's their own issues. Or people will say it with a question mark at the end, right? Yeah. I'm really good at, you know, and they kind of say it with a question mark at the end. It's like, <laughs> say it, just say it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think uh, one of the things I found is that like, you really truly can't find those three things. Like if it's, it's just nearly impossible. Um, I just love making people ask the closest friends, their partners, their mom, their dad, their sisters, like, what are three traits that you love about me that's not physical, right? Or not a byproduct of what I do, whether it's my job or being a mom, right? you know, what is something that you love? Things that aren't external, things that are internal to them. Yes. That's a perfect way of saying it. So that is my task for all my listeners. And for myself, we are going to work on that this week, internal traits, because it's just we should do it, I think, as often as possible so that we we learn how to receive it. We get better every time we receive it, right? Absolutely, because then that breaks down some of that self-judgment or that focusing on the negatives about ourselves. It removes it from that, and we start to get a better balance. And then we become more resilient to dealing with things that are in our own lives. Yeah, and then we, I mean, it's the trusting ourselves, it's the skill sets, it's knowing it's like, just like a gym, right? We're not going to, when we first do a workout and we're super sore, 
and we're like, oh my God, I'm so out of shape. And then we move through it the next day we do it or the next time we do that workout, we're less sore. Like we're just, it's the soreness is still there. The effort's still there. It's still hard. It still took a lot of effort, but it's not, it, the recovery is so much quicker. Absolutely. It's the same thing. I always say building that mindfulness muscle, you know, because it's, it's uncomfortable when you start, but just as like the comparison to the physical sort of challenges that you put yourself in, you, you also feel really confident when you start to meet those goals mm -hmm. and it motivates you to keep going. Yes. You, I mean, there's no, it, we're too human. This is one thing. It's like, we, we can't get out of this sense like there has to be tangible results in some way, shape or form, you know, like you can't just put all this effort to saying no to the chocolate and committing to the gym and not seeing changes. Like you, we would drive ourselves crazy if we did that for three months and we still didn't see changes that it's totally okay to feel frustrated by that. So it's saying, can we find changes tangibly in other shapes and forms? Absolutely. And helping people redefine what the, what those successes look like and what those measures are to feel like you're still moving forward. Yeah. Cause it does. It's like, if you look at, you know, the big potential goal and the, I'm never going to hold on to anything and I'm going to be happy every day. <laughs> it's like, it's just like saying like, I'm on the top of the mountain. We know. Yeah. It's, it's so about the little predictable goals day in and day out that aren't sexy. They're not glamorous. They're just, small, simple things that add up just like those daily habits, right? Yep. And it's the journey that ends up, people end up being really proud of, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I just, and this is what I'll end on is like with the journey for me, the way I wrote a newsletter about this, it was like, I have no idea how to understand how far I've come, right? I'm so head down go, 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 go. And one thing that's been so helpful because it was tangible, it wasn't just a feeling of X, Y, Z or a number that just didn't really resonate deep within my soul. It was more of this Facebook time hop and going through my photos and finding things as I'm moving, the things that were from 24 hour fitness at my first job as a trainer eight years ago. I was like, oh shit. Wow. Like these are cool things to find and see. And so I'd encourage like going through old storage boxes or time hops and photos and really appreciating that. Cause I, that was the first time it was a couple weeks ago. I was like, oh yeah. Oh, I feel it. I don't just, you know, see it on paper or see it, you know, in this kind of superficial way. It's like, it, it really resonated with me in that way. Yeah. And it helps find flexibility in like how you're measuring those goals. Like look at where I was and where I'm at. And it's, you can find such flexibility in, in what that means. Ugh. Jesse, this is so fun. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. I have um, a question that I know you're prepared for. Uh, I ask all my guests this, where, or what is your spirit animal? Yes. Katie prepped me for this so I took a couple quizzes and so mine my spirit animal is a bear Ooh, I love the bear <laughs> uh, that's so good do you feel like you're more of a um like you go through series of hibernations and then external kind of like outings spiritually or physically yeah absolutely <laughs> I sometimes I I love to be like filled up with like 
spending time with people and really getting out there. And then there's times that I just really need to hunker in and, and just sort of more alone time or quietness. Hibernate. Oh, I love that. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're just the best people for sure. <laughs> That's good. Um, well, Jesse, I know that you have, obviously we'll link your website below, but one place that I know people can easily find you is your Facebook page for your business. So Life Balance. Yes counseling and wellness. Um, I'll link it as below as well, but I know that that's a really good place for people to kind of plug into the work that you're doing. Um, I mean, you are, you're in Illinois, right? So if people want to work with yes. you, they work with you virtually as well. We are starting to roll out some telehealth options, um, but mostly we're face-to-face -face at this point. Great. I love it. And where in Illinois are you? We're in LaSalle, Illinois. So um, I know that you're familiar with Iowa. So we're about one hour from the Quad Cities and we're about an hour and a half southwest of Chicago. I love it. Well, keep doing the amazing work you're doing. This has been fun for me to just talk through things that were on my mind and also the things that I've seen with my clients, with my people. You know, there's just so much work and sometimes that can be overwhelming. So this felt really tangible in all senses in all senses of the word. So thank you for, for your time today and for all the things that uh, we spoke about. It was really good. Thank you. And it's a good reminder to me too, to kind of focus on healthy boundaries and, you know, reminding myself of those inner qualities that we all should be proud of. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. 